0: You are now listening to The Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into the journey of their lives because I believe that our feelings of being worthy, of being enough, or being lovable, successful, fulfilled, whatever it is, is not out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this, then I will feel it. Can't just keep chasing the feelings. It's up to us to claim it for ourselves every single day, sometimes every moment of the day. On today's episode, I have Quentin Venny. He is an author, a gardener, an advocate for humanity. He has a best-selling memoir, Strong in the Broken Places, and he has a pretty incredible story. So we're just going to get right into it. All right. So yeah, I so I like to go on a a full journey or as much as we can get into in the time. Um, let's start with what was grow like. What was your life growing up like? And you know, some people are like, oh, I know, I want to be this, or I don't want to be this, or I want to escape this. And some people are just getting through life. What was your experience growing up? And like, especially high school ages.
1: Uh, my experience growing up was, you know, um, the expectations of my life were very minimal. You know, I grew up in Baltimore, uh, you know, one of the most dangerous cities in America uh, during the, the the heroin epidemic of Baltimore City. It's, it was known and still is known uh, as the heroin capital of America. Uh, so in spite of living in, you know, predominantly black neighborhoods, I went to schools with predominantly white people. Right. and during that time, if, if you weren't the quintessential Black person, you know, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, you you get labeled and you get cast and you get put in a box. Uh, you get demonized and treated, you know, very horribly. Um, so, you know, I was told by society and by administrators and by teachers that, you know, I'd be lucky to graduate from high school. I'd be, you know, dead or in jail by the time I was 18 or 21. Right. So, you know, the life expectancy of a Black kid, a black boy specifically growing up in that type of community during that time, you know, was very short. You know, we, we, we didn't have the expectation of living beyond 25. So a lot of the things and decisions that we made and behaviors that we, you know, exuded um, were pretty much just based off of survival, right? Trying to make it day by day. You know, so I didn't have, you know, any illustrious goals and plans like I want to be a lawyer. I want to be the president. I want to be a doctor or a fireman. Right. Like the people that in, in my neighborhood that were successful, the examples that we had that we felt were attainable were people on the corner. You know, they were the drug dealers that, you know, school told you to stay away from, you know. Uh, so, you know, in contrast to, you know, how I ended up becoming addicted to prescription pills as an adult, right? Like in school, we were told that the drug dealer's on the corner with the Timberland boots and the baggy jeans and the hoodie. That's the person you were supposed to be weary of. They never told us that the the drug dealers that I should be weary of actually had lab coats and had PhDs. You know what I mean? So the, the guys on the, you know, on the street corner that had the hoodies, they were my cousins. They were my friends. They were the ones that were, you know, buying school supplies for children in the neighborhood. Right. Like and it was the doctors, the ones with the lab coats who really didn't care about who you were, what your you know, socioeconomic status was, what your traumas were, you know, or any of those things. They wanted to prescribe something. So growing up, what I wanted to be as an adult was alive.
0: That's a good thing to want to be. So many things. So, uh, was, were you, you said you were going to predominantly white schools. Was that because of where you lived or because your mother or parents like wanting you to have better educations and placing you you in those schools?
1: Yeah, well, my father was, a uh, you know, was addicted to heroin. So, um, you know, I was raised by a single mother. You know, the, the majority of the time that I saw or spent with my father, it was either visiting him in prison, a halfway house boot camp, or seeing him on the street corner, you know, chasing his addiction. So my mother, you know, knowing what that city, you know, could present, you know, she sent me to schools um, that would, you know, uh, the, the plan was to enrich, Uh, give me an enriched academic experience. And essentially, in some ways it did, right? Like I was studying Japanese at 11, you know, but in in other ways, it taught me the ills and the realities of racism and prejudice and what that looked like uh, and how no matter what my academic acumen was, you know, the fact that I was still Black on the outside uh, meant that my treatment would be that of 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 a traditional Black person in this country.
0: Yeah. And that's what I was wondering, when you were you were mentioning, you know, getting this sort of messaging, like, and it sounded like it might have been coming from teachers as well, or like the community is sort of like, sort of telling you, no, you're not going to amount to anything because you're color your skin. So at the same time, you know, they're telling you to stay away from the guy on the street corner in the Timberland booth. They're also putting these messages in you like, oh, what we're teaching in this school is for these people over here. Not you.
1: Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, the, the majority of everything that you know that we learn in traditional schools, especially as it pertains to uh, American history, is false. You know, like we're we're taught to, to praise the, the the ones that came to this country illegally, who murdered millions of people, uh, who made false claims who brought diseases to this country. We're supposed to, you know, to, to praise them. Um, and look down upon those who were illegally shipped over here unwillingly, who had to endure hundreds of years of you know of servitude and and those are the ones who are supposed to fear right so it was just like i but understanding that and coming from a a family that was you know uh deep rooted in you know black history, uh the true black history, which is American history, like I challenge that. And I think it was me challenging that in traditional schools that chose that that resulted in them casting me out because because to them, I couldn't be controlled. I was too radical.
0: So you weren't sitting in class being quiet when this was coming up and just sort of being like, what the fuck are these people talking about? You're like, no, 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 no. And of course, absolutely. I mean, I'm hoping these days there's some teachers that are waking up and changing that. But, yeah, they don't No, I'm the teacher. This is the book. You're out of line
1: here. Is that? That's that's that was exactly it. You know, and that that kind of forced me to like, you know, to, to do a lot of self-exploration. You know, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X when I was 12 years old. You know, so like that was the first time that I had found pride in my blackness. And, and, and then it, f- from that point, it just kind of grew. Um, so no, I I wasn't the one that was quiet, like, okay, yes, this is going to help me in my life. It's like, no, this was, this was definitely, you know, uh, I, I firmly believe that a lot of traditional education is designed to perpetuate, you know, the white power structure of America. Right. And, and if, if you go against that, or if you challenge that in any way, right, then, you know, then it's blasphemy, so to speak. So, uh, in, in, in the eyes of, of that, uh, I was very blasphemous,
0: well, I'm sure that took a lot because I make up it'd be easier to just even if you didn't buy what they were telling you, it would have it could be for many people probably easier to just be quiet
1: and go along i think I think the misconception of silence, right, is that silence equates to ease. And for me, I think my silence would have resulted yeah. in more suffering because I would have been waking up every day. Um, not being who I am, right? I would have been putting on a mask and pretending to acknowledge and, and acquiesce to a bunch of frivolous, false information um, that celebrated some and oppressed others. And those others were those that looked like me. So my silence, you know, I, I often say I would rather die on my feet um, than live on my knees, you know, and my silence would have been uh, comparable to living on my knees.
0: Yeah, because by being silent, it's in many ways like you're promoting the lie. You're promoting the lies. Absolutely. Get back to your story, but something that you were just mentioning with like being in school and like these things over the last couple of months, you know, with, of course, this huge, amazing activation that needs to keep continuing. I've been like, obviously learning things and then talking to different black friends like that. And I've been like. What was there like a CCD class that I missed out on? Do you know what CCD classes are? Like I went to Catholic schools, but if you were Catholic and you didn't go to Catholic schools, you went to public schools, then the kids that were Catholic would go to CCD school on the weekend to learn about Catholicism. And I was like, how can wait, why? So why all the black people are educated about the real things? Why were not the white people? Like, was there a side CCD school that I like didn't know about? And just seeing like how, no, you have, every, you have to educate yourself. The families are educating the children or whatever. And I just felt so like, like an asshole. But like, just like the waking up of like, how does, how wait? Why, why don't I know these things? Where was the class that I missed out on? Where were the years of classes? And now it's like, oh, right. All right. Let's like all of a sudden, you know, it's like things that I knew, but just like wasn't paying that much attention to or something. But yeah, I was like, where's. Where was the CCD class I missed out on?
1: <laughs> the, the tough thing about it, right, is that, you know, this information has, has always been there. Right. But it's like, why spread the truth when the lies have resulted in privilege? Like it, it, there's there's it's really challenging for me to believe that people um, would challenge a system that they benefited from. You know, like, are the rich people going to stop? Are they going to challenge capitalism? I seriously doubt it. You know what I mean? So it's like, if they're benefiting from it, of course, we're going to continue to perpetuate that knowledge and information and spread that to our kin, right? Because anything outside of that would mean that um, everything that you know to be true was actually a lie. And it would force you to then challenge everything that you know about your culture but also about yourself, you know what I mean, and I and I think that's that's where we are right now.
0: Yeah, and so I think that a lot of my blinders might have been on. Is like, of course, I was aware of racism and re- how it was, but a lot of it, I think, I wasn't allowing myself to fully acknowledge because then that meant I was acknowledging the privilege that I have. <gasps> but life has been so hard for As me, so I it. can't acknowledge I have privilege or stuff like that whole thing. And so now it's like, oh, of course, Trisha. Oh, of course. Anyway, hoping so many people wake up, <laughs> keep waking up, keep waking up, and we rewrite the history books and all the US holidays. That's what I'm even like this year with Fourth of July, I'm like, what are we celebrating? And then I'm like, why is it just this year that I'm finally questioning <laughs> what is being celebrated?
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm curious as to what's going to happen <laughs> for Thanksgiving.
0: Right, there's so much. Like,
1: unless, unless I know, Matt like every holiday. Now,
0: like, what are these right. holidays? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so what so yeah, so what happens in your life then? Did you graduate high school? Do you go to college? Like what is the journey of your of your life? Yeah. Next step after
1: Yeah, I um sure. I uh I graduated high school. Um, you know, I i did a few semesters of college. Uh then I was like this I, I can't do it. Um
0: And was going to college again like because I'm going to do this or, you know, your, maybe your mother pursu- wanting you to pursue higher education or.
1: No, I did it because of my mom. You know, my mother dropped out of college in her junior year when she was pregnant with me. So I wanted to pursue a college degree, not because I felt there was much value in it, but because, uh, you know, I wanted to do it for her. Um, but then as I got older, I was like, listen, I, I can't continue to live my life for someone else right? If it's making me unhappy. And I was unhappy. Um, you know, I I I had already challenged so much of the traditional education system that I was like, now I'm going to go into debt to learn more about things that I don't agree with. Like that was stupid. Um, and this isn't to say that college is stupid, but just at that point in my life, that's where I was. Um, and so I went into the working force, you know, I moved out, I got my own apartment at 19. You know, then I ended up losing my job. And, you know, I I went to uh, a friend uh, and ended up for the next few years selling heroin in Baltimore City, in Baltimore County, and uh, experienced a significant amount of trauma, uh, saw things, witnessed things, uh, you know, had things happen to me. I was shot at multiple times, you know, set up, uh, you know, had attempts to be arrested and uh, the gambit of, of what anyone can expect when living that life you know, then my my first child was born. And in 2006, I uh, decided that I would never uh, return back to that life. And so I didn't, I went, I went on a straight narrow path and, and, um, you know, started a few businesses. Uh, And then when I was 26, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety, um, anxiety disorder, severe generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and how to severe major depressive disorder.
0: Hey, going back to when you choose to sell heroin, is that simply I need to make money? These people are making good money. And I'm guessing you're not like, I'm gonna, this is what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. You're like, let me do this to make some money right now to pay my bills to keep.
1: Yep, it was all temporary, right? But, but like with anything, right? Like they they often talk about the addiction of drugs uh, from an addict perspective, right? Like the person that's using, but often the person that's dealing, right? There's an allure there, right? Like there's a, a, a high that you get from like evading police and making a shit ton of money at the same time. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm literally going out and I'm buying $1,500 denim iceberg outfits and, you know, eight, $9,000 diamond watches and Pinky rings and all kind, you know. I'm just, you know, all of the things that I was deprived of, right? Like, and that's
0: what probably what kept you in it. You're like, this is like too easy in many ways. To I'll, I'll do it another.
1: And not only that, but it was like I'm now making more money in a few months than the same teachers that told me I wouldn't be shit did in an entire year, right? So it's like, who's winning now, right? Who's successful now? You you're in debt trying to pay off these student loans. So you can make X amount of dollars per year to tell me that I wouldn't be successful. And, and yet I could buy your whole life.
0: So was the birth of your first child then what made you finally be like, OK, am got to get out of this or was it something else or that with coupled?
1: No, it was it was it was the birth of my, my of my son that really um, shifted my perception. Uh, I knew what it was like to grow up without a father. And and when you're when you're in the streets and and you're selling drugs or doing whatever, um, there's only two there's only two end results. You're either gonna end up dead or in prison. Like no there's no four oh one K for a dope dealer. You know what I mean? So like there's no retirement plan, there's no IRA, you know, like you're you're going to die or you're going to prison. And um I refuse to allow my son to experience the same things that I do. So
0: then I make up just choosing one day to quit is not necessarily easy for you but is it also for the people that you are working with or you know when you're like i'm done do people try to keep
1: you in was that fortunately for me like i've always had an entrepreneurial spirit um so there weren't a lot of people that i was working with you know i did i i i bought my own product uh i sold it myself I, i did everything myself i was my own boss You know, there was one person that I was working with and I I write about this in my book, Strong in the Book of Places, which is available everywhere. Books are sold, by the way. Um, um, But, you know, I I told my partner, I was like, listen, I'm done. You know, I gave him everything that I had. I I had like two thousand dollars left in my name and a bunch of, you know, expensive clothing and jewelry that I could do nothing with. Uh, I eventually pawned a lot of it and got rid of a lot of it just to maintain. It was challenging to go back to making $10 an hour, you know, after making $1,500 in a day. But it was it was a sacrifice that I was willing to take for the betterment of my son.
0: And that so yeah, so what did you did you go then you get an hourly job or you said you became an entrepreneur? Did you, you just was that also I'm guessing you're an entrepreneur being a drug dealer in many ways. So is that sort of the like not wanting to answer to someone like, all right, let me try this. Try it. Let me try my having my own business in a different way.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing was like, you know, I, I didn't know what I was interested in. So it's like, you know, when, if you want to be an entrepreneur, most entrepreneurs are problem solvers. It's like, well, what problem am I trying to solve when I just came from making a crap ton of money, you know, selling poison to my people? So I was I was big into exercise and working out. Right. So oh. I was like, OK, well. Let me just try to my hand at a job. And I went and got a job at a gym. And then, you know, uh, again, having that entrepreneurial spirit and having this, you know, this idea that I'm not going to be told anymore of what I will be, what I could be and what I wasn't. That didn't pan out very well. Um, And so I ended up leaving that job and I started a personal training business. A buddy of mine, you know, wrote me a check for $300 for me to get my certification. Uh, I got my certification within sixty days, and um, you know I had ran a, a successful personal training business. I built it from, you know, literally from ground zero, um, you know, uh, all the way up until I moved to New Jersey when I was thirty.
0: And what? So what led to getting the anxiety diagnosis? Like you must, I make up. You have to really be suffering to then go see someone to get the diagnosis, right? Because a lot of people won't even allow themselves to go talk to a therapist, to go to anybody, to tell anybody that they're struggling. Period.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, a hundred percent. So I'm I'm running this successful personal training business. I have a contract with a gym. You know, where I'm a, I'm a trainer. I'm not even hired. Like I'm contracted with this gym. I have my own clients on the side. Like I'm making money. I'm I'm doing well for myself. And then I started to experience these symptoms, these um, episodes. You know, difficulty breathing, tightness in the chest. Now, mind you, I was also training for a men's physique competition, so this was back. Like, I wasn't going to be like a bodybuilder or anything, but the the whole physique idea was just starting to become a thing. And I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, I'm I'm in the gym. I'm I'm working out six days a week. I'm you know I, I know diet. I know nutrition. Um, And I had my first panic attack in the gym. Um, And like, and, 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 you know, I'm like, I'm feeling these heart palpitations, this difficulty breathing, you know, uh, tightness in the chest. And these episodes just started to occur like daily, you know, and and sometimes nightly. And it had gotten to the point where I was rushed to the emergency room a few times for panic attacks. Um, And, you know, I ultimately reached the point where, I would I would leave my house around 11 p.m. And I would drive and and sit in the parking lot of the emergency room and I would sleep in my car until the next morning. Right. Because just being there at the emergency room often was enough to help. Right. Um, But that's not a life that's sustainable. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to go sleep in my car. I'm going (laughs) to go sleep in the car. Uh, Holler at you in the morning. Right. Like that's not a sustainable life. So, you know, eventually I went to the doctor and, um, you know, was diagnosed with severe GAD and panic disorder and, uh, and mild to severe major depressive disorder. He had given me a prescription for lorazepam. He told me that my anxiety disorder was so severe that I would need to be on medication for the rest of my life if I wanted to be normal. And when you've been hospitalized, feeling like you're having a heart attack for 30 days straight. Right. And you can't do anything. I'm like, oh, Yo, if you're going to tell me that this little magic pill is going to prevent me from ever feeling like this again, you know, I'll take the magic pill for a thousand Alex. Right. So I, I signed up, you know, like give it to me. Um, what I didn't know is that anxiety medicine should be used in conjunction with some kind of therapy. Uh, I was never told that.
0: Wow. So they're just like, here's a pill. You're good. You don't ever need to do any work. Yep. <laughs> don't even ever just to see where, why this is happening.
1: Wow. Nope. Take the pill and you're, and you're good. Um, and so that, landed, that, that ended up uh, landing me with a two-year addiction to anxiety medication. I started having migraines. I was hospitalized for chronic migraines. They gave me a prescription for Vicodin. Um, so now I'm taking Vicodin for migraines, Ativan for anxiety. Not told that anything else in my life needed to change. None of my other habits or behaviors needed to change, um, and I ultimately ended up, you know, accidentally overdosing on a combination of Vicodin and, and anxiety medication. Um, you know, so it was a it was, uh, was life changing and life altering. Um, but even then, I, I wasn't at the point where I acknowledged that I had a problem. You know, I just stopped taking the Vicodin,
0: right? Just oh, I just took too much of this. That's it. That
1: was it. It's like, yeah, I'll I'll cut it out. You know, easy, easy fix. Um, but the Atavan was really um that was the driving force behind my addiction.
0: And that what did that how did it make you feel? Adam like, did it make you like you don't have worries, stress, pressure, like you're just breezing through life, or like I have no idea. I've never taken an
1: That's exactly it. It's like everything's great, everything's grand, like life is awesome, you know, like there could be a-
0: And is it like you actually like Feel the difference, like have all these stuff swirling around, pop the pill. Ah, everything disappeared. Absolutely,
1: 100%. Yeah, it kind of nice. Everything <laughs> disappears, the veil is lifted. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm not going to go get but I'm like, It was okay. great. Yeah. It was great until it wasn't. Most things. You know, I mean, I was prescribed, I was prescribed one milligram a day and my my addiction had become so pervasive that I was taking upwards of 15 milligrams a day. You know, like I was killing myself.
0: And was that you self, like, did they start increasing your milligrams dosage? Or was that you just being like, this isn't enough anymore and starting to take more and more and
1: more or both? Well, it was, it was a combination of both. I mean, if your doctor gives you a prescription for 60 pills, right, and you can go through that 60 pills in a two-week time period, but your refills are only at 30 days, your doctor has to prescribe you more, right, um, in order to get them. So my doctor had become my dealer. Right, so again, you know, it goes back to my initial statement that the ones, the drug dealers that I shouldn't should have been worried about, weren't the ones that looked like me. They were the ones with the PhDs and lab coats.
0: Right, so you go back. This is helping me. I need more. Okay, well, up your prescription. Not well. Maybe have you talked to someone. Maybe have you considered why you're taking so many? Not just like okay, you need more.
1: Done. Exactly. I mean, and even after I I had had my overdose. I had attempted suicide, you know, because they pushed the, the it, taking too much of anything can ultimately give you a reverse effect. It can, it can, you know, instead of making you feel good, it can make you feel horrible. Right. And then on top of that, I'm adding alcohol on, you know, and I'm drinking while I'm taking these pills. So it just increased my depression to the point where I was like, I didn't want to live anymore. You know, so I had attempted suicide twice and I ultimately went back to my doctor um, and was like, listen, I have a problem. It was the first time that I'd actually acknowledged that I had an addiction. And um, and, and I, I wanted him to take me off of the pills completely. And instead, he wanted to put me on Xanax because he said it wasn't as strong. Um, but he, he reiterated that um, my disorder was so severe, I would need to be on medication.
0: And so, like, you know, there's no point in approaching this from any other directions. Just we'll give you another pill. Yep. Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption. You guys know I have a full product line, right? With all sorts of products to empower you to own your awesome, to claim your joy, claim your worth, get out of your head, be living your life. Most favorite product right now, 24 ounce insulated water bottles that have like the flip up straw lid, keeps cold drinks cold for 24 hours. You can even put hot drinks in these and it'll keep it hot for 12 hours. The design is laser engraved, so it will never come off. I have them in all sorts of phrases, all sorts of fun colors. Of course, there's the Own Your Awesome Affirmation Deck, 52 different affirmations. They also are beautiful. Black, white, red, and gold foil only. My favorite colors. And don't forget, I have the Own Your Awesome daily inspiration app. You don't have to pay for shipping or anything. Right now, get it in the Google Play or Apple App Store. It's called Own Your Awesome and it's hundreds of powerful affirmations and thoughts to get you out of your head. The one I just got, put your attention on what you want more of. If you focus on the negative, on what you don't want, that is all you will see. Put your attention on what you want more of. Next card that I got, Commit to at least one thing each day that brings you pure, unabashed joy. Oh yeah. Just got another one. I choose to put my attention on what I think of me instead of worrying about what others think of me. The thoughts, affirmations to get you thinking differently, looking at what matters to you, what thoughts you're believing and what thoughts you wanna kick out the door. You can also gift it, own your awesome in the app store and you can go to shop.yourdialogist.com to shop my full product line. Let's get back to the episode. So what was your like final wake up to maybe I need to stop leaning on pills and look at some other, like look deeper, that of the him, like you finally admitted you had a problem and there was nothing. So what did you, where'd you go?
1: I mean, the first step to recover is admitting that you have a problem, right? So I admitted that I had a problem. I went back to the person that I was supposed to expect to help. He didn't, right? So it was just like, okay, so you're no different than the people I had experienced in my childhood who told me that I wouldn't be XYZ. So I was like, okay, once again, I'm on my own. So I went to Google, you know? <laughs> and I started like researching like, people that have healed themselves. Uh, And I came across two documentaries. One was Fat Sick and Nearly Dead with Joe Cross, um, an Australian guy who went on like a 60-day juice fast and, you know, cured his autoimmune disease. Um, And then the other was Crazy Sexy Cancer with Chris Carr, um, you know, who had stage four, you know, incurable cancer, who by changing her diet and her lifestyle, you know, was actually able to to thrive uh, in the face of cancer. And those two documentaries um, inspired me to, 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 to try something different, right? It's like I had already hit rock bottom. I didn't have anything to lose, right? I would I would much rather fight to live instead of live to die. Um, and so I started to adopt a juicing practice. Um, from juicing, I, I, I ended up, you know, cutting out certain foods in my diet. I went vegan for a while. Um, and then I, you know, in my research for juice recipes, I came across a YouTube video with Tara Stiles well, I then found out, you know, taught yoga. And prior to that, I thought yoga was like a weird sex cult that only white women, you know, and, and hippies did.
0: I've had Tara on the podcast too. <laughs> Talk about her type of yoga. So you
1: know what I mean? So I was like, okay, like so this traditional yoga with this elephant in the room, you know, with the with the necklaces and the big earrings, like I'm not really feeling that. So Tara made, you know, she made yoga accessible. You know, Strala was you know you know like high lunge, low lunge, getting your push up position. Like there was no, you know, Sanskrit. You know, I, I was like, I don't, I failed Spanish too twice. I'm gonna be terrible at Sanskrit. Like, you know wow. what I mean? Um, so uh, I just needed something that was a bit more accessible. And um, and so it, with juicing, and then you know strata, uh yoga practice, and then you know I discovered meditation. And those three things became what I consider now to be my trinity of wellness.
0: So as you're going through this, like, personal evolution, you know, too, I find, like, sometimes it's, it's challenging for ourselves to, like, okay, I'm sort of lost or I'm this. I feel like I need, you know, changes. And we start making the changes going. But then also the people in our life can react differently. So was that a struggle for you? Like, okay, I'm going to watch these documentaries with these people with one who is like, also they're struggling with things different than you. So I think that's amazing that you were just like, this person changed their life with this and they're not, it's a totally different, this person has cancer. This person's, uh, uh, yeah, fat, sick, nearly. And then, but yeah, like what was that for like people in your life too? Were they like, what are you doing now? Did people celebrate you, cheer you on? Or were they also like, what the heck are you doing
1: or both? I mean, my, my mother, my mother was was one of my biggest supporters. Like she bought me my first yoga mat. You know, um, she came to me. She came with me to my first yoga class.
0: That's amazing.
1: So she was my, one of my biggest supporters when it came to yoga. When it came to diet, my whole family like shunned me. You know, they were like, yo, like, you're not eating chicken anymore. You don't want steak. Like, you're not eating this ham. Like, what's up with turkey for Thanksgiving? I'm like, it would just give me all the sides. Uh, I would go to, like, family barbecues and cookouts, and I would show up with a half gallon of green juice that I just made, you know, while everybody's drinking Heinekens and Yinglings, right? So it's like, I was looked at like, you're, you like like, I lost my mind. Like, you know, like, this dude is nuts. It was like, you know, I I was also very quiet about what I was struggling with, you know, so a lot of people didn't know how severe my addiction was. They had no idea that I attempted suicide. Most people, including my mother, didn't know uh, the the vast majority of the things that I struggled with until they read my book, you know, so I kept a lot of it to myself and I, I suffered silently as a lot of people do, you know, so when I showed up and I'm like this completely different person, they're like you know, like, who the hell are you? And where the hell did you do? Where the hell is Quentin? And um, I, I guess it could be challenging for most people. But as someone who is a natural introvert, who's a natural recluse, um, and someone who has been uh, cast out so much of my life, I, I really don't care what people think of me. You know what I mean? Um, unless I care about you. Um then, then then it matters, but it only even then it only matters to a certain degree.
0: Yeah. When I feel like also I make up and even from my own like personal changes in evolutions of life, it's like when you're doing something that you're you like you're feeling the real effects of it. Like that's why you're doing it. So it's like it's mm-hmm. not like you're just like trying a new fitness or not fitness even like oh I'm gonna buy the new in clothes or something and I wear it somewhere like you know it's like no I'm doing this it's changing my life like I even if you're like I don't even know what's going on Mm -hmm. but I know that this is making me feel better in some way then the judgments of other people and whatever they're gonna say don't matter so much you're just like this feels good to me I you can say whatever you want you can make as many money jokes I'm doing this
1: And I was the guy that was inviting people. I'm like, hey, if you think I'm weird and you don't know what this is, like, I was just like you. You know, it's like I didn't know what it was either. But come with me to a yoga class. Like I took people from my old neighborhood, you know, hardcore, you know, people and they're doing down dog, you know, it's like, like, come with me to this. Taste this green juice. You know, like I'm sharing this journey. You know, I'm sharing this experience, not because it's like I want to be, you know, I want to be preachy, but it's like this is changing my life. And if I'm if we come from the same place and we have the same struggles, right, then it can do the same for you. It's just up to you as to whether or not you want to or not.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's where more people can start to be like welcomed into a transformation. It's not like you. Everybody stop. Put that beer down. We're drinking green (laughs) juice. (laughs) But being like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel great. But then they're sort of like, why is like I would do that? I used to tour with uh, musicians. I used to be a sound engineer and then I became a joyologist on tour. But like, even as a sound engineer, Mm. I toured with my own juicer. Like, I had fibromyalgia and so I let off physical pain. So I got into yoga and juicing and all of this wellness stuff because, like, for trying to make my mental, like physical pain, but then also the mental pain. I was like, I have so much physical pain in my body. I can't control that right now, but I control the mental pain that I'm causing myself. So I did a lot of like personal work that way, but then also like was trying to do everything I could to show up for my life and feel good. Cause I had, had commit, almost committed suicide when I was young too, when I chose life. So I think that also would like, sh- when you make a clear choice to choose living, then it, just shows up in many different ways every day without us realizing it, right? Like the choosing life. But yeah, I would never try to be judgy or that, but people be like, why is Trisha always like happy? And how come she's never tired, but she doesn't even drink coffee and like she's always drinking the green stuff? And then eventually people are like, let me try one of those. Let me, okay. Why does she still have energy? What? Whatever it is like, but never being preachy it was just like, cool, I'm doing this.
1: <laughs> yep. See you see, see when you get there.
0: <laughs> so did you end up then when from having that conversation with the doctor and where you decided to like look at different things, did you stop taking pills or did you have to weed yourself off? Do you still like have you found yourself ever like still needing medication for anxiety?
1: I mean, I've I've been um, I've been in recovery for seven years. Like I celebrate seven years of sobriety this year, September. So uh, I had to weed myself off. I tried to stop completely and I ended up in the yeah. hospital. And yeah, and make up that's not something because you can it, just... it was, which, No, it's not something that you can just stop and I didn't know that. Like, you know, I'm I'm a Virgo Leo, right? So like I have I have certain tendencies and like when I say I'm done with something, I'm done with it. Right. But it was just so I did it and was like, I don't care what the repercussions of this may look like. You know, like I'm just going to be done. I can deal with the physical discomfort. I can deal with the pain. Like I can push through all of it. And uh and I couldn't, you know, like I, I literally almost died. And that was like the brain fuck of my life, because I was like the one thing that's killing me is also keeping me alive. How do I go up? But this is when the Virgo side of me kicked in. Like, how do I go about this? you know, uh, logically, right. Like, how do I make sense of this? Right. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I'm going to wean myself off of it, you know, and I would push myself to the point of, you know, of, of extreme discomfort, you know, uh, instead of like, for example, like waking up in the morning, I used to take like three pills. So I would just not take anything, you know, and push it until like one thirty, And then I was like, okay, I'm about to, have to go to the hospital again, I'll take one, you know, and it just, it just gave me a little bit, I'm still uncomfortable, but I only took the one, right. And eventually, like the same way that our body builds a dependence, right, like the, 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 the opposite will happen, our bodies will slowly start to no longer depend on it, right, especially when we have these other things, you know, these other modalities that are taking the place of it, right, like I was drinking 32 ounces of green juice first thing in the morning. Right. So I'm flooding my body with all of these nutrients and these vitamins right? that I was depleted of and deficient of, I'm sure. Right. First thing in the morning. So even not having that pill, I gave my body a fighting chance. You know, like I I gave it everything that it needed to fight against it. uh, And it worked for me. And eventually, you know, it it went from not needing, it went from, you know, four pills in a day to two pills in a day to one pill, you know, to no pills. And then I counted, you know, for like nine months, I counted every single day and was like, if I made it through this one day without taking pills, then I can make it through a hundred days without doing it. Right. If I can do it one day, I can do it two days and four days and so on and so forth. And that, and, and that became the new obsession that became the new addiction.
0: That sounds like a much healthier addiction.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, I, I like it. To
0: think so. I was like, most people are like, oh, then they got addicted to personality. I was like, this, but this being addicted to not taking pills, I feel like could be good.
1: I mean, the addictions yeah. never go away, right? You just find something else to replace it with. So, you know, I was like, OK, if I'm going to if I if I am an addict, what, what else can I be addicted to? I'd rather be addicted to green juice. Then out of
0: and at this time when you're going through this transition, are you still then? Did you follow like personal training business and following through with the like body competition or did...
1: Oh no! Absolutely, everything fell for me. My life was Sorry. fucked after that. Like, <laughs> oh after, <my> like <laughs> <laughs> no, like me. After, after 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 my life,
0: <laughs> everything's great. He's clean. Oh no, that's what. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, like, no, my business like when I got diagnosed my business fell like you know like I, you know I ended up go, I ended up going back to college and using mm-hmm. refund checks to live off of you know like literally that's how it you know my addiction had gotten so bad and my anxiety was so bad that I, I couldn't leave the house you know so while I was going through my recovery that's when things started to shift right because that's when I started writing in 2013 I wrote my first article for Mom, Body Green. You know, prior to Mind Body Green, I was writing for like the Real Living. And, you know, then I, wrote, I had written articles for Huffington Post, right? So I started like writing about my experiences of dealing with anxiety, of dealing with addiction. And mind you, this is 2013, right? So this is like when I'm like, like, I'm still in my healing journey. I'm still in my recovery. I'm in the early stages of it. And now I'm talking about it when nobody else was talking about it. Nobody in the wellness space was really talking about anxiety. Yeah, we are
0: perfect. We cannot be talking about stuff like that. Like, that's no,
1: everything, it was green <laughs> juice and coconut water and, and, you know, and yoga nidra. You know what I mean? Like, that's what was being spoken about in 2013. Well, I'm coming in, I'm like, anxiety's an asshole. You know, like it almost killed me. Prescription pills are, you know, are horrible. We have an over prescriptive nature of Western medical practices. Like I'm going in as this black dude from West Baltimore. Right. So I started to build a name for myself and and, um, and people started to to really gravitate toward my message because I wasn't trying to pretend that, you know, life was butterflies and rainbows. I was like, no, life is thunderstorms, volcanoes and tornadoes and hurricanes. And it's fucked up, you know. But within that, that darkness, we have the ability to plant the seed of light in life. Um, You know, so it wasn't just showing one side of how bad things were, but it was really highlighting you know, our own, you know, uh, power and potential to actually create the life that we want and not just live the life that we have. Yeah, yeah. And so that started to shift my career a little bit more, Um, you know, and in 26, 20, end of 2015, you know, I was able to uh, get a book deal.
0: Where did you even though, like, where did that come from inside you? Do you think of to be like, I'm going to write these things and then like, send like, cause also like, did you start, did you have a blog or something? Or were you just like, I'm going to write something and send it to, you know, these major like publications and stuff like that. Like that's, it's a little bold.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> when you have nothing to lose, right? Like there's nothing to risk. So for me, it was like, yes, I I started writing about like the things that I knew about at first. Um, again, I'm, I'm very introverted and, have, and have always been very private. So I started writing like, you know, stop dieting and start living. Just things, things that I was aware of that you know were still relevant at the time. And it was an editor uh, from Mind Body Green. Uh, her name was Carrie Shaw, and she we had had a few personal conversations. And she was like, "Listen, I think you need to tell your story." And I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm not doing that." And so I would, I wrote, I wrote something, and then she she edited it. And sent it back to me and was like, how about this? And I was like, nope, I'm going to change that. How about this? So we went back and forth on this one piece for like weeks. And I was like, okay, Carrie.
0: Was she trying to get you to tell more of your story? And you were trying to just be like, "Mm, let's steer it over here. Like we can talk about this, but not my personal story. Yeah.
1: But not about me. Exactly. So we went back and forth with that for weeks. And I was like, okay. I'll give you a shot I'll, I'll I'll tell my story let's see what happens I promise you no one's gonna care and um, that was the first article that got retweeted by Chris Carr and Tara Stiles and all of these incredible people that I looked up to in the wellness space and um, I was like okay people actually give a damn you know um, let's do it and from that point on I've been an open book
0: Awesome. And what was, yeah, like what was the resistance? Like you just felt like nobody would care or there's a part of you not wanting to tell the stories or you just were like, no, no, no nobody wants to hear about me. Like, I'll talk about this, but like my story is not important or like what was making you a fight like hold back?
1: I, I come from a city where, you know, um, it's almost like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. Being poor can be detrimental, but being successful could also be. Right. So it's like, um, I also, you know, grew up in a, in a place where the stories of young black boys are often told not by them, but by someone else. Right. Someone else has always controlled that narrative. So for me, it was like the least about the least amount that you know about me, the better because you can't shift the narrative of my life because you don't know anything about it. Right. Like you can't argue. You can argue a fact. People argue facts all the time. Right. Like, so you can argue that. Fine. You know, you don't believe that, you know, cutting out sugar can help you lose weight. OK. Right. That's fine. You know what I mean? We can argue about that. We can go back and forth. But that has nothing to do with my life. You know what I mean? So you can't shift the narrative of my of, of, of my life. Um, and so that was a, a big hesitation. And, and also, it's like, you know, when you grow up and you've been told that your life doesn't matter and, and society shows you that life, your black life doesn't matter. There's a reason why there's a Black Lives Matter campaign. Right. Like, let's, you know, like, let's keep it a thousand. Right. Like, there's a reason why that's a thing. Right. So, you know, so so, so it's like, you know. Oh,
0: no, I'm like, I don't even want to laugh. I just laughed while I said that because now I'm like flashing to the realities.
1: It, it's a it's a true reality, right? So it's like, you know, I'm not I'm not comfortable telling that story on a platform that's not owned by a person that looked like me. Yeah. With the again, letting go of control of the narrative of my black life in the life of other black people that look like me, I was unwilling to do that. And. But what I what what I realized right was that mental health and anxiety. Weren't just black issues; they were human issues, you know. And whether we come from the same city and the same circumstance, or you grew up, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, you know, um, it, trauma is real on a human level. Anxiety, depression, suicide—these things are real on a human level. And I was able to—I um, was able to—to to no longer see the difference and connect based off of commonality, and see the humanity that existed in all of our struggles coll- collectively.
0: Yeah, I think it's so true, because obviously, so much different backgrounds, and what is being talked about, but I, I, I yeah, I think it tra- creates more of a human connection, and that we are able to see ourselves in other people's stories, even if the stories are a thousand percent different than what ours is. They're just like, yeah, like, being able to see someone else's strain and st- I said the wrong word, pain, <laughs> struggles. I can buy yes. the two words. Being able to see people's strain. What was that? Just reminded me of the uh oh in my typo that I sent you. <laughs> Okra, Okra <laughs> Okay. Everything's going to be okra. It's, like, okay. yeah, it's,
1: it's going to be okra. It's like, oh, great.
0: I typed in the auto correct, changed it to okra. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's going to be okra, everybody.
1: I am like, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> I'm sure people are connecting right now with the way I miss say things, and they're like, see, I like her. I miss say things too. <laughs> like, <whatever. laughs> We all do. Uh, um, so then what was though? Like, yeah, so you're saying like that was though, you let the article go out, showed yourself. I'm guessing was there some then pushback or was it mostly though, yes, thank you. People wanted to hear your story, people connected to it and
1: in and that and people people wanted to hear it. They definitely connected to it. They they showed up, they showed a lot of support. Um, most of the people that were like, you know, like in the the medical field, they didn't like how I spoke about the over prescriptive nature of Western medicine and blah, blah, blah. And again, we can debate that all day, but like, it really doesn't matter to me. Like, this is my truth, take it or leave it. So the response was really overwhelming, you know? And and I was able to like, you know, I was able to connect to people on a human level. People opened up to me. They felt comfortable sharing their stories. I had people emailing me like, oh, my family doesn't know about this. My wife doesn't know about this. My husband doesn't know about this. Like about their own struggles. About their own struggles. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and that was beautiful, you know? Um, and people wanting to be like, Hey, well, how'd you do it? You know? Um, and, and that, that really became like the blueprint of, um, you know, the work that I, that I've been doing for the past seven years.
0: And what is that? Then, then stepping into that. Okay, I'm telling my story. I'm writing my book. I'm going to speak about this or whatever. And like, yeah, has there been like, how do you allow yourself to stay open and to stay real and to keep showing up?
1: Um, I'm motivated by connecting to people. You know, um, I'm motivated by by looking at uh, by by seeing the beauty in our difference, but understanding. Um, you know, uh, that we're more alike than we are different. Right. And, and, and by seeing that, you know, right, It allows me to find the beauty in that connection, the beauty in that difference, um, and not look at our differences, you know, uh, and look at them in fear or hesitation or criticism, you know, uh, so, uh, I, 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 I'm going to always show up as myself every single day Right. You know, as a, as a child, you know, and even growing up, like society would tell a, a, a male, you know, that being vulnerable is weakness. And I realized that vulnerability is my superpower. You know, it's, it's vulnerability that allows human connection. You know, it's vulnerability that allows for true empathy and compassion. Right. Um, so, uh, I, I, I've, I've committed, you know, myself that if, if every day I can, you know, inspire one person to fight, to not give up, um, to believe in themselves, uh, every day, you know, then I've, then, then my life was was worth living for that day. You know what I mean? Then, then I'm, I'm doing what I was set out to do. And so that's what I thrive on. You know, I, I thrive on, you know, human connection. I often say I'm an advocate for humanity. Um, and, and, and I believe, I believe that through and through, it doesn't matter what our our differences are, what our struggles are, right? Like if you strip away privilege, if you strip away oppression, if you strip away, you know, gender, if you strip away uh, you know, uh color, uh what are we left with? Right. And like that's what I like to connect with people on.
0: Yeah, I love that. An advocate for humanity. And so where are you at now in life? Like, yeah, I mean, we were talking, well, I, I'd already started recording, but probably moved back. <laughs> but yeah, so you're now thinking oh, maybe I'll start this tea business or like, yeah, what is happening for you right now? And what doubts, fears show up and what propels you to keep going and to follow ideas and passions?
1: Um, I'm a, I'm a creative, you know? Um, so, uh, for me, my only limitation is my own belief, you know? Um, you know, so for me, it was like, I
0: think that's, that's not just for you. <laughs> Let's say that again.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, no, it's not just for me. <laughs> I was but, like, thank you. Thank
0: you for reminding me, everybody listening.
1: <laughs> the, the problem is, right, is that a lot of us are, are quick to point the finger, you know, and say, I can't do this because of X, Y, Z. It's like, if you tell yourself, you know, what was the old saying? Whether you say you can or you can't, either way, you're right. Right. So it's like, so for me, it's like, why limit myself? Uh when when I live in a world that's gonna limit me anyway. I'm gonna shoot for the stars, right? And worst case scenario, I land on the moon. You know, like fuck it. You know? Uh so 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 what what drives me, you know, um is just my 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 unwillingness to adhere to societal standards. Um uh, I'm unwilling to to live my life based off of societal rules and guidelines. You know, I'm going. I, I do the work that fuels me um, because it ultimately, in my experience, it helps to move mountains for other people. You know, um, you know, my aim is to be a beacon of hope in in so many trajectories. Because if you if you look at the things that I've dealt with in my life, the cards that I've been dealt with. You know, uh, I shouldn't be here, right? In the eyes of society, yet I am, you know. Um, I, I've been shot at multiple times. I've survived, you know, uh a drug overdose, I survived suicide, you know. I was, you know, uh eight years old and our my apartment caught on fire with my mom. You know, we had to climb off the balcony. Like I survived, you know, a lot uh in 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 my years, you know, and you know, So what What pushes me to keep going is the fact that if we continue to, to fight for something greater, then we also have to continue to heal, right? And if we fight together, we need to heal together, right? And in order for any change to take place, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable and find comfort in being uncomfortable, right? But then also having hope uh, that we can get to the place that we're fighting for. So I started the tea business because I love tea. Right. And because I I believe that, you know, um there are so many nutritional benefits to tea that people are missing out on, right? So so why not make drinking tea cool? You know, like you go on YouTube and you look at any people that's drinking tea, you know, like they don't look that cool to me. <laughs> like I I, I also garden, you know what I mean? Like, so like, you know, look in YouTube and find a lot of people that's gardening. Like gardening is my yoga. Yeah.
0: I love, he's wearing know? a shirt that says gardening is my yoga. Yeah, I love is my it. yoga.
1: Um, you know, so it's like I'm going to continue to push um, to make things as accessible as possible because healing should not be um, reserved for the privileged Healing is is a right. And we all have the right to heal. Um, and we all have the right to to happiness. And uh, that's what I'm about.
0: I love it. One thing you said when I first um, asked you about, yeah, like the tea business, what you're doing, you said, I'm a creative. And that struck out to me because I myself have struggled a lo- for years, like being able to think of myself as creative or something. Is that something that took you Like, where did you feel like you finally were like, I'm a creative and was like wondering if that if you had a journey with that as well? Because for me, I always felt like a create person was somebody who wrote songs or who like drew, you know, was like a painter or something like that. So I like felt like I wasn't allowed to call myself creative or to be a creative. And I was wondering if you had any sort of like aha moment with it or struggle at all.
1: I mean, I've, I've always been into writing like English was my favorite subject. So I started writing poetry as a kid. You know, and then I did a little bit of songwriting for a few years. You know, I've always been I, like I love to challenge people on this idea of what genius. Right. Like people say, if you have a high IQ and you went to Harvard, or you went to Yale, like, like you're a genius. It's like, well, last time I checked, the genius wasn't predicated on your IQ it was predicated on the ability to create something that didn't yet exist. Right. So it's like if I'm able to take something that I can conceptualize in my brain. And I can materialize it, right? And make it a tangible thing, right? Whether you can touch it, taste it, smell it, hear it or feel it. And even in an emotional capacity, then that is genius, right? So it's like a genius is a creative. And if we can create something that does, you created a podcast that didn't yet exist. Other podcasts existed, right? But yours didn't, right? So by creating it, right? You've, you've expounded on your ability to be genius. And, you know, and, uh, you know, growing up, I was never told that I was brilliant. I was never told that I was smart. I was never told that I was capable. And I damn sure wasn't told that I was a genius. Um, And so I, 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 uh, I pushed it. So now people can no longer deny it.
0: Love it. All right. I'm going to get to the questions I ask everybody. The first one is I'm going to pull up. These are keychain phrases from my product line. Can you see this document? I can. Okay, so these are all phrases that go on keychains. And I ask each guest to not necessarily pick the phrase they like the most, but which one they would want as a reminder in their life right now, because I will send you the keychain. So which phrase do you want as a constant reminder and why?
1: I am enough. Yeah, that one stands out to me. Primarily because growing up, I never felt like I was. And I still struggle with that. You know, even as an adult, you know, I, I still struggle with, am I doing enough? Um, did I say enough? Uh, did I show up in the right way? Right. Like, did I give enough of myself? Um, am I enough to even do this? Right. Like, um, you know, um, so I think I think for me that that I, I love a lot of them. the fuck your fears is one of my favorites. Um, but uh, I am enough. Yeah, that that, that really resonates.
0: Yep, that's like, yeah, I myself, like, that's probably the thing. Like, I can constantly find myself and, like, oh, this is me telling myself, and I'm not enough again. This is, oh, I'm stuck in an I'm not enough story. Oh, I just made up a story because somebody texted me with K. And so I read that into that because I'm feeling like I'm not enough. Like, it's like so many things.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) I hate the response of K. like, wait a minute. I don't even like thanks. It's like, it's, am I not enough that you can say thank you? I get
0: real messed up with just sure. Is that a yes or a no?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is either.
0: I can get real. But you know what? Just forget it. I don't even want
1: Just sure. <laughs> Disregard the question. I don't even want it anymore.
0: It's so ridiculous. Because <laughs> I'll make up that somebody writes sure and that's like, are you just saying sure? Because you're like appeasing me. That's like, a yeah. Right, you just I'm want like, me
1: to get over like, it? Like, sure. <laughs> Yeah. I'm the same way. I say to, I say to my kids all the time, like words mean things, right? So I use, I use my words very deliberately.
0: Uh, Okay. Um, What does it go to, to raise your joy levels? Gardening. I had a feeling you were going to say that. (laughs) Uh, I use, I ask everybody this, how to play, apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So look, maybe it's like a, a habit that you get into, something that you tend to put off. So what is easiest for me is to blank. What is best for me is to blank.
1: What's easiest for me is to shelter myself, right? Like to escape, to separate myself, to just be alone. That's the easiest thing in the world for me. What's best for me is to not do that, is to show up, you know, is to allow myself to be uncomfortable in moments. Uh, because again, it's in that discomfort that change happens.
0: Yeah. I resonated with that, but in a different way, what's comfort for me is to like run away and shelter myself. Like I will live into the story of, I don't need anyone. And so like Mm. to not open up to people, to not allow people to support me because that's a fear Mm. that I'm not enough and they won't be supporting me. So I don't even give them a chance. So mine would be Mm. like running away because like, I'm afraid they won't fully show up for me. I'm afraid they won't love me if I really open up or whatever. So I like, Mm. so when you said that at first, like that's where I came from in that the different, it's funny how different things can be the same, you know, a different for yeah. people where I was like oh yeah I couldn't huh. but mine is for a different reason but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's best for me to open up to people to allow people to support me Sometimes I have to like write to people and say I need a friend to talk to I'm like why isn't yeah. anybody checking on me because they don't know that there's anything wrong with you
1: right no, yep yeah. <laughs> I agree <laughs>
0: yeah uh all right <laughs> 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 nice to meet you <laughs> <laughs> the name of the podcast yeah, awesome. is claim it because I feel that so often we're pinning like our feelings of oh I'll be enough when I'll feel worthy I'll feel loved I'll feel successful when I do this and we're just putting it outside mm-hmm. of ourselves constantly I'll feel enough once I have this once I finish the to-do list once I whatever it's always outside of ourselves and so that message of claim it is that it's up to us to claim it for ourselves every single day, sometimes every moment of the day. What are you claiming for yourself right now?
1: What am I claiming for myself right now?
0: It could be a vision, it could be a way you want to feel, it could be, yeah, something you feel you could propel to chasing.
1: I am claiming, without going into a whole lot of detail, I'm I'm looking at um with my business, there's a an, an expansion opportunity. Um and I'm claiming that. I'm claiming that is my plan A because there's no need for a plan B.
0: All right. Yes, to plan A with no plan C D E F G. Go
1: all in. Yep. yep. Claiming it. There was something. It was something Will Smith had once said, he said, you know, when you have a plan B, it just takes away from what plan A really is. Right. So it's like I'm going to claim plan A with there's there's no exceptions to getting what I'm pushing for.
0: Totally. Since like I'm all in, I totally believe in this is going to happen. But just in case it doesn't. Right.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go over there. No.
0: (laughs) just put that energy back into (laughs)
1: that into the thing (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) awesome love that thank you so much for talking Mm -hmm. to me and sharing so much we'll definitely link your book and um when you get the tea business going we'll add the link to that and everything else too
1: (laughs) yeah check it out on instagram greenhouse teas it's already Um, on
0: instagram
1: Yeah it, right now I'm, I'm building the website um because we have to go through like a lot of regulations in order to um you know be able to sell a a, a product like that Yeah. um so once that's done we'll have everything up and ready to go online but uh you can check out uh, greenhouseteas.com sign up for the mailing list you know to be the first to know what's happening and, and what's coming uh it's going to be pretty awesome
0: but what's your what's your tagline going to be like let's make tea cooler than the people on youtube
1: like what's (laughs) (laughs) i've seen some really uncool people on youtube (laughs) talking about tea i'm just saying um (laughs) no the 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 reality i've seen some cool people (laughs) talk about tea but um no it's it's wellness centered like this is uh, this is all about you know your greater your greater self um you know in in uh healing certain things physically and in uh and mentally even spiritually right through the ritual and the practice you know of this it's not just a warm thing that you can put in your body right like there's there's a ritual that's associated with this thing right it's like it's like yoga right like yoga isn't a bunch of postures right like there's a lot more to it you know um so there's it's really just focusing on the the wellness components of, of this practice.
0: I love it. I'm excited for it.
1: I'll send you some samples.
0: Yeah, I'm all for it. And I think, yeah, I think everybody listening is going to be excited about it because yeah, there's so many good benefits to tea, but then, yeah. And even what I feel like, you know, like sort of a placebo effect of like, Let me buy this (laughs) tea with the intention it's going to decrease my anxiety. You know, it's like even that, like you're going to be putting herbs in there that will be benefiting certain things, but it's also in the like naming, like you said, right? The naming that you're have the addiction, whatever naming, I have anxiety and I would like help. Maybe I will buy this tea, whatever it is. Like, it's like you're already even solving things without even drinking the tea, naming it, making space for the healing. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm
1: Absolutely. <laughs> those are the, those, that's the first step, you know, the first step to recovery <laughs> is admitting that there is a problem. And then you make you know? space, but there, are, but, like, but there, but there are things that have been, you know, scientifically and medically proven to help with certain things. So.
0: Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Excited. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate it.
0: All right. You guys are right. You're ready. You're going to go follow Greenhouse Teas right now, I bet. Honestly, super excited for this new tea business he's starting. You can find his personal Instagram at QuentinVenny, QuentinVenny.com. I'm going to link his book and all of that in the show notes. And uh, for full show notes and links to things we mentioned, you can go to yourdiologist.com slash podcast, and you'll find all the episodes there with their own page. For all things me, yourdiologist.com, at yourdiologist on Instagram. I love hearing from you. I love seeing you share the episodes. I love getting DMs from you. So please feel free to reach out. I want to know what you're listening to, why you're listening to it, what made an impact to you. And thank you for listening. Please subscribe. And if you can go leave a review in Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing because I love hearing from you, but it also helps the podcast get placed so that more people can hear it. If you do that, if you go leave a review, screenshot it, you can do it before you hit enter or send because it might take a couple days to show up. Email the screenshot to podcast at yourjoyologist.com and I'll send you a gift for my product line. Just like I have each guest pick a keychain, I have magnets, I have journals, I've got insulated water bottles right now. I have the Own Your Awesome Affirmation Deck. So many different types of products, which make the best gifts, by the way, (laughs) to empower you to own your awesome, claim your joy, claim your worth every single day. So go leave me a review and final thought of the episode? Where are you being the person that's telling yourself no? Right? Like, what are you stopping yourself from doing?
1: From saying, from trying? Think about that. Let me know.